You are now tuned into the School of Higher Thought podcast, where we explore the realm of personal development. We aim to upgrade your life through lessons learned from your personal experience. Episodes are released every Sunday. For more updates and other empowering content, please follow our other social medias in the description below. I hope you've got your notepads ready. Class is in session. criteria in which someone has to earn respect in my mind is very high and this individual who you're about to hear me speak with has my utmost admiration i think he's actually he's one of i'd probably say six people that i actually watch their stories and read it because i don't often watch people's stories because most people's stories are a waste of time but there's very few people that I actually learn from and have my mind challenged, even if I don't always agree, because you're not supposed to agree with everything that you read. But with that being said, I'd like to introduce one of the most intellectual people that I've had the opportunity to actually meet. Will, thank you for being here. Thank you, uh, my bro Nero. It was great meeting you, by the way. It was um, great stuff. <laughs> you're also one of the smartest people I know. I, I should definitely just put that out there. Thank I you feel very like much. We're on, I guess, the same side of a dying battle. Which is why so many people told me before I met you, they were like, Do you know Will? Do you know Will? And I was like, Nah. They were like, You're exactly like him. It's crazy. I think we like represent, um, I don't even think it's often about what we say. It's just the fact that we, we I guess, we kind of go the extra mile with thinking independently and intellectually if you understand what I mean. Like, I feel like a lot of times in society today, it's not really about what you can offer creatively. It's more about fitting in. I hope that makes sense. It made a lot of sense. Independent, you know, I, independent, independent thought is a rare currency. That's why I think, like, the school of higher thought is so great. I mean, it's in the name, it's in the metaphor, but I think we represent a desire in humans that humans have always had as well i don't think is anything new i think like we've always been curious and we've always we've always been anthropo what's the word anthropologist and that Oof. just means we, we seek to know self Ooh. you know and i think people get swayed away from that and the consumption of like content like especially yours like i always tell people don't take it lightly because i feel like it's we'll get into it obviously but hypnotic rhythm is extremely powerful so just even uh accepting that truth that you want to learn more about yourself and you know the way you are put together and the way you come across all of the type of um self-reflectivity metrics i think hold it on hold on that- hold on hold on you said a very very key term for anybody on this side of the world what is hypnotic rhythm, if you don't mind? So hypnotic rhythm, you know, it, it's as a lot of things I'm going to probably explain and break down. It has a macro example and a micro example on the smallest uh, scale. Hypnotic rhythm is just repetition, consistency and doing something. So, you know, there is the power of compounding that investors speak of a lot. And it's basically... It's not even a theory, it's a proven fact that, you know, 
small steps. <laughs> I don't even know how to really quantify it. It's Sorry, take your time. You know, doing little things frequently can have a much bigger impact than, you know, doing things at once and big. And that's the power of compounding. And it's really a skill. But in terms of computing, it's just, you know, training yourself to become efficient at something, whether that's something is praying every day or, you know, uh, going on a run every morning. The more you do it, the more your body become becomes accustomed to doing it. You can almost say programmed. And so this brings me to my main point about humans. I think this is going to be probably the highlight of what we speak of today. And that's a human as an algorithm. You know, we've seen the movies in which uh, AI and humans are almost comparable, you know, to the T. But when we actually explain how, it becomes so much feasible to understand how we actually create our own reality and ourselves. And a lot of the scenarios that we find ourselves in are actually productions of our mind again. Whoa, and hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. A lot of people can have a hard time swallowing what you just said. Essentially, you're alluding to the fact that what is within reality is a direct result of your essential ignorance, essentially. Definitely. I mean, what you need to understand about the ego, there are more than one versions of yourself, okay? But when you break it down to you as a human being, there are two versions of you. There's your whole, which is your entirety, who you are in your subconscious, and your ego put together. And then there's your mm. ego, which is a small fragment of your personality that exists solely to interact with things in the present. That's the only time your ego even exists. While you're sleeping, your ego doesn't exist because you are submitted into your subconscious entirely. Time gets weird. Um, so, so who is that when you're asleep then? You are when you're asleep. You are a wider, you are a wider selection of yourself. And I, the reason I use the word selection is because you, as a human, you are a compilation of. You can kind of think of it as a database. You collect so many different types of data. You know, there's taste, there's touch. Uh, there's imagination, there's memories, you know, there's heat, there's all of this type of things that we collect. And so you as a human, it's very easy to think of yourself as one point or one person. But really, really and truly, that's not what you are. You're a consolidation of multiple functions, memories, experiences put together. And the part that society identifies with is the ego, because the ego is the only thing that's able to actually function in the present. Time does not exist to the subconscious, or rather it experiences it in a completely different way. And so this term, the ego, this is actually something that can be engineered or something that is engineered. So hold on, so, so hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. So essentially what you're saying is that we can essentially modify the way our ego experiences reality. Definitely. We can also modify how our ego is experienced in reality. What I mean by that is, you know, the extremely subtle things that we don't know are actually being determined by much wider influences. 
and that's both internal and external so on the external factor i'm going to start with something extremely huge i know none of you guys would have heard this before people don't actually know that the earth really determines so much of our life and i don't even just mean geopolitical or you know environmental i mean literally the earth controls your heartbeat it controls your resting heart pace and the reason it does this or the method in which it does this is there is something called the magnetic field okay and that manifests itself on many different levels we have one as humans the earth has one as you know a planet and the sun has one as the center of our solar system and so what happens is these magnetic fields allow i guess objects in a range to condition everything that's within so let me explain that before you know we blow this out of proportion <laughs> the sun lets off solar flares which essentially is data about how healthy it is how hard it's beating and it lets this off and it goes out into universe and then it hits earth earth observes that and in response it also creates a magnetic field and that the pace at which the solar flares from the sun is hitting earth is actually what earth uses to tell all of the things living inside it whether it can rest or be on alert or etc and etc and you know you as a human you work the exact same way so that's an external metric but there's also internal metrics so things like trauma you know PTSD let's start with those muscle memory even you know you have you have essentially a database of options to choose from you know there's specifically, a, specifically for what what options okay let me let's talk about the um let's talk about the metrics of self reflectivity just give me a second take your time pastor <laughs> your band from my church bro <laughs> i take way too many screenshots of charts in a day okay sorry i fell off topic so if you want to look at the metrics of self reflection which is essentially what your ego thinks about itself and how that reveals itself to a uh, reality in society so there's self confidence self image self worth self respect self belief and self esteem now these sounds like these sound like qualitative terms as if you know they they're not something that can be quantified or measured but they actually are and this is what your ego does every single day and so you have people that are you know let's just take a funny example of being unable as a man uh you know a young man to speak to women you know you may think that's just how you are but there's a reason it's how you are it's because of this the data. this rev- ah it revolves yes. around all the cells that you just listed yes your ego is a construction of you you construct your own ego except people don't understand you know when you think of yourself as a human being you is not the same thing as you as a whole you know when i say you know me will or you nero we are just extremely small fractions of ourselves and that's the part of ourselves that our brain keeps in order to detect any functions it's not already stored this is why hypnotic rhythm is so important listen to what i said our brain stores recursive functions a small 
Mal, um, the way you kick a ball, the way you run, the way you walk, you know, the way you pronounce certain words, the way your facial structure is, because we actually have the, the capacity to set different facial structures. Some people keep their lips very tight, while others keep their mouth open. These are settings that we accept for ourselves. And so our brain stores recursive functions in order for us to complete day-to-day -day activities and challenges. And the small part of you that exists in the present, which is the ego, only exists to interact with the present, to scope out any functions that the brain has not already stored. So when you enter a scenario that your brain does not necessarily know how you would react, your ego is there to make an informed decision based on all the metrics that your subconscious already has on you. Okay? Mm. And then it applies that to reality. So let's take something like self-respect. A lot of people think they have self-respect, but what you say and what you experience are completely two different things. They both go into your subconscious at the same pace too, except experience is likely to be more of a vivid reminder to your brain of who you are than what you think for yourself. For example, you may think you have loads of self-respect respect, until you're put in a scenario where you have to do something degrading in order to save a life or your life. Mm. And that experience, that's when you will really find out how much self-respect you have. And so these metrics we don't know, it's like, you can imagine a human walking around and these metrics are just following them. Every single interaction you have, every time you catch eyes with somebody and don't speak to them, that data is being added. And this is why I say hypnotic rhythm. Hypnotic rhythm is essentially the rhythm in which your brain grows and progresses. And that is based directly in the experiences that you put your brain through. Wow. So how would an individual recreate or restructure their ego? The first thing to do is an ego death. And, you know, this is something that's really interesting because when you think about enlightenment and all of the different religions that teach about it, you're often led to believe that ego death is the last step. But the reason ego death is the first step is because you are not going to be able to break out of your programmings without knowledge that you are in a program. And so let's take this journey together when we look at what an AI is and, you know, AI for anybody who doesn't know is artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence in which I am proposing that we are at least very similar to if you don't want to use the same term. And so <laughs> the first job of an AI is to learn about itself and its surroundings. And so when you want to look into your programmers and say, what makes me? How am I? What am I? You need to look at your very first um, environment and that starts as a child you'll hear a lot of religious books and, you know, other type of historic teachings talk about the first seven years of a child's life. This is because that is the year in which the brain collects the most data. The brain in those given times is probably going to learn more progressive information than you will for the rest of your life. Do you, know, do, you... Do, you know, do you know what's also interesting about the ages of up until seven? Of course. The brain is in that theta state, which is one yes. of the closest states in which your mind or your subconscious mind is more permeable to suggestion. 
And this links back to what I was explaining to you about the magnetic fields of the earth and how they condition us. Because what do you think determines those waves? Wow, there you go. You know, it's it's really crazy because we as humans, we kind of, I don't know, we know we are of this world, but at the same time, we consider ourselves to be external from this world. You know, it's very easy to see how a donkey or a rabbit is a very simple algorithm that literally eats, shits, sleeps, repeats. But when it comes to us humans, we like to believe we have some sort of superiority and that's based on our creativity. But when what in reality we're all just running on those shit sleep programs in just different variations. If you look at the ideas, visualize the ideas of all of humanity in your head, we're all just walking around and recycling the same ideas over and over again. Mm. You know. And this is where the occult and aesthetic historic teachings come in and talk about something like i don't know what you would refer to as Nero, but it's called the great mind mm. yes and the universal subconscious mind the universal subconscious mind we don't even have to really delve into a metaphysical explanation of it just explain it as nah go there if the you sun. want bro go there if you want this is this is the school of higher thought and today you're lecturing okay so if you look at that as a sum of all of human thoughts, it is very possible that if there is a place where the universe is essentially recording data, that means there is a place where all of us collectively coexist. That's not in a physical dimension. And just to, just to be clear, for people who are new to metaphysics and do not understand the message of how things can exist and we not see them it's very simple just go to um go on google and search what does the galaxy look like without i think it's without infrared radiation or with infrared radiation it should come up anyway and you'll see that we actually do not see anything at all you know, we see a very limited scope of what is happening around us. It's crazy to see. And, you know, that's even further uh, expanded on by things like things that we think we know how it works. For example, electricity. We have cables and we think that the current runs through the cable when actually it runs around on the outside of the cable. And it's crazy that we don't see that. And there's so many more examples like this. And so I never see that. That is insane. Yeah, there's there's so many examples like this. It's actually crazy. I mean, it's not so hard to think of gravity. You know, gravity was discovered. Of course, it always existed, but it was discovered. And so that means it's so clear for us to see it now when we see, you know, planes flying and, you know, defying gravity. It makes sense to us now, but at a specific time, we had no knowledge about that. And so our knowledge was really limited. And this is something that you can see very clearly if you look at our you know anthropocentric history if you look at our religious books you know the bible talks about things like the four corners of earth and at the time it was written of course that was an acceptable phrase because we had no fucking idea but as things go on and we get more information we start to see that there's scopes of reality that we do not witness as our physical realm and that doesn't mean that they're not real and so the metaphysical is just the study of these dimensions that we definitely know exist. We definitely know they exist.
And so when we come back to, because we kind of <laughs> took a detour, come back to, you know, understanding the world as an AI, where you are, uh, what you are. It, it, the first question is, how do I gain energy? Because energy is the number one asset in the universe. We know that. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Rewind. Real up, real up, real up. <laughs> energy is what? Energy is the basic commodity of the universe. It's the universal commodity. Whether we represent it in, you know, food or money or time, whatever you want to really represent it by, energy is what we are all after in different ways. That is a but bar. To really think about this and why I'm expressing it now, is to say, as babies, you know, because we were talking about that zero to seven years, as babies, what is the one thing that we know babies do? You tell me. Cry. Mm-hmm. Why are they crying? Because they have they, they, they need attention. They have a need that can't be met. They can't speak. And so the only way to attract people to them is to cry. Often babies will cry um, until you find out the source of the problem. You could, you know, try to burp them. You could try to do whatever you want to do until you find the source of that problem. They're not going to stop crying. And so that shows you that even as an AI, we come into this world of somewhat of a blank state. Of course, we have biological information that gets inherited from our parents. But we come into this world as somewhat of a blank slate. But we know one thing. We know that the way to get to what we want which is attention, I guess is too alert for it. And that's from the people around us. And so this becomes the first real breeding grounds of information for the brain. The zero to seven years when your brain is in theater state is when your, your programs, your main programs that are probably going to run for the whole of your life are being constructed. So let's talk about these programs. These programs are essentially called control dramas and they are essentially... It's the way that your brain learns to get energy. And this varies from family to family because, you know, some families where you're the only child, you're not really going to have an energy problem. You're going to get all the energy you need. But in other environments where it's very competitive, you know, maybe three or four children, maybe not both parents or none at all, it becomes very difficult to get energy. And so you create controlled dramas to manipulate the situations in your life and so you can get the most energy out of it if you think back to you know depictions of you know uh youth like young kids they get jealous very easily and you know the most obvious control drama is called the intimidator now the intimidator is somebody that will essentially steal energy from you and they will do it in by Could you give us an example of how an intimidator would operate or interact with somebody? So intimidators are actually the easiest to actually realize because they essentially just try to steal. They all out try to steal um, energy and that's by a threat or, you know, intimidation. And a uh, easy scenario of intimidator is uh, a household where, you know, it's very tight for competition and for energy and so they have to develop uh ways to essentially get energy and it can be frustrating when you can't get that energy and so you resort to violence if that's the type of person you are the reason i say that intimidators are the most obvious ones is because 
the three other control dramas actually take you know they become more complicated in the ways they seek to steal energy so intimidator there's two passive control dramas and there's two um active control dramas so intimidate is obviously active the other active is um is investigator how an investigator works is they ask a lot of questions and they hope to essentially take energy from you literally just by asking you as many questions as possible and you know sometimes they don't even really want they, they don't want or care about the answer it's just their way of you know getting attention from somebody i think oh that's my someone... days the individual that i was speaking to on snapchat was an interrogator yeah that's yeah. crazy continue that's why Sorry. i said i think that's the one that we we to like we respond to because you know we feel they ask the right questions that's what's so funny you know, people usually don't ask the right questions. So you can tell when somebody is, you know, awake and definitely knows what they're talking about. And I feel like we feel the inconsistency in the questions they're asking, but then their actions not, you know, correlating with that. But anyway, to move on, then there are two passives. So the two passives, the easiest one to recognize is a poor me. So poor me is a person who essentially had to become a victim essentially a victim in order to get energy so one scenario of this is you know imagine you have a big brother and you say oh mommy look he's not playing with me or you know he's not sharing with me that's a poor me they force people to ex expel energy on them by essentially drawing for empathy and then the last one which is the most complex is an aloof and what an aloof does is they are the reason this is passive because aloof typically either has no energy problem so they became they become very picky with the energy they they want and devise you know devious tactics to get only that type of energy or you know they are somebody who doesn't have energy and so has had to develop this weird aloofness because um either they are not outgoing enough to pursue the active control dramas or because they got used to not having a lot of energy and realized that they can just get a little bit of energy by being aloof. What an aloof person does is they force people to focus on them. And, you know, they are often mysterious, often very close to themselves, won't really talk much. But as soon as you do get them going, it seems like you are, you feel like you're getting drained, essentially. You, you feel like you're getting drained because you're trying so hard to get to some version of them or some idea of them or whatever trip they're taking you on of their aloofness and so you eventually get drained and give them all your energy literally just by trying to understand them so mm. these control dramas of course they mutate and you know you can have more than one but these are the four foundations of all humans all humans fit into one of these boxes and that's because you need energy as i said so it's not something that's optional we definitely all have control dramas and if you want to see it literally just look at those first few um years of your life and you know so those are social in fact those are less social those are more, more family-based control dramas if we then expand that to you know the social control dramas how are you programmed to be in society? The first place you're programmed to be in society is your environment. It starts in the family, it moves out into your environment, and that's your community. And so when you start to actually think about what's happening with, you know, even 
let's talk about minorities and the working lower classes. They are being programmed to accept a reality that, you know, is gambling shops on every corner, is uh, police sirens at all times, it's poverty, unrest, uh, bad odors, all of this stuff, you know, we accept it as life. Because as I said, as, as an AI, you are born as a program, you are born with no knowledge. Do you the know what's interesting? Of course. You know what's interesting about that those environmental factors that you're talking about? Yeah. Even what? the environmental factors that you still encounter are a direct result of your programming. I'm going to yeah. say that again slowly. You're environmental. Jeez. <laughs> you feel me? And even in the instance of you, and even <laughs> some will, some will, some won't. And even in the instance of you talking about the kind of way that people's, especially minorities, their environments are structured, they're specifically structured to tap into the survival mode which is directly in the reptilian brain of people, which kind of restricts them from having these higher levels of thinking, which I'm assuming you was going to allude to. Yep. Sorry for interrupting. Well, it's great that you said it because, you know, I wanted to allow people to essentially, I feel like when you start talking about, you know, uh, I guess the lower working classes, it kind of starts to become taboo. And I don't know whether that's because, you know, we, we're just selfish as humans or whether there's a real disconnect in society. And the, pro the answer is probably both. But, you know, we are we've gotten to a stage where, you know, we used to allocate a lot of our control as a society to deities. And I mean, you know, gods and whatnot. But we are in well, we are we have been in a stage in which we are now assuming control of a lot of the institutions that choose all of these things and so it's not that we are of course we are contributing to the creation of these environments and the continuation of them but essentially it's someone's decision for these environments to exist and these institutions to exist and so although these programs are somewhat you have free will but at the same time you can only choose from the options i hope that i hope that was profound and <laughs> that's so, why i let the silence continue essentially if we go back to so we now know that you know we have been programmed by our family uh, by our community and then by the institutions and the institutions they program you at such a pace that you don't even understand you know people think stuff like advertising is very simple we now know that the media is nothing simple we know what can be achieved what type of brainwashing can be achieved by the media and media full stop we have seen you know jay-z i'm sorry to quote jay-z but i love jay-z he says this line where he's talking about um his grandma his grandma is a heavy heavily religious woman and so she believes that essentially her position in life whether that's being oppressed or you know being a slave because she's obviously very old um is basically up to god and he essentially starts to say that by her buying into these institutions, she doesn't even realize how she's also picked up harmful programs that the institution is broadcasting to people that don't look like her. And that's how you, you know, get black women uh, really wanting to, well, this, I think this time has actually moved past, but there was a point in time where black people really wanted to have straight hair, you know, and we 
we as a community oh, continue I remember to promote. back in the day every man was yeah. curling there <laughs> you know we want we promoted these features and that's because these institutions create not only our expectations but our rewards and you know these trends and that's why i'm so happy that through the through social media there's kind of been a democratization of this uh this control and this influence and it's gone back to the people and you know that's not automatically a good thing because there's real problems but this is an example of what i'm saying so we have seen in the last you know 20 years we've seen the control of beauty move back from the media and the institutions that choose it although they're still very heavily involved to the actual individuals and there is a a free market of looks rather than a media with a monopoly and choosing and so we are being programmed by almost everything around us it sounds overwhelming but it makes complete sense as i said your subconscious is something you don't even notice it's just there in the background picking up all of this information on you and what's funny is it chooses when you're awake it chooses when you're awake when you what do you mean by that think about it your subconscious wakes you up it tells you when you're tired these aren't things that your ego decides your ego doesn't just yawn and say well of course your ego yawns but your ego doesn't decide to yawn you don't try to t- you know try to be tired right now yeah 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 this yeah, is something that's that crazy. the subconscious manages and the subconscious is a wider version of you and so this is what i tell people you need to realize that you are not your subconscious thinking you are subconscious is how is is how people lead themselves to unwillingly subscribe to extremely bad programs thinking that you can listen to extremely violent music talking about murder uh drugs and your subconscious is just airing it no that's not how it works your subconscious is picking up every single thing you're saying and every single time you listen to that and consume that it becomes a bigger part of you you know and so when i speak to people and they have things like traumas or you know any programs specifically you know from the streets the one thing i tell them is uh the one thing i ask them straight away is how are your dreams because your dreams are the first place in which you can interact with your subconscious your well not the only place there's some other methods but your dreams are the main method in which you can interact with your subconscious but what's interesting is the subconscious actually gets rid of the ego most of us either don't dream or we don't remember when we dream and that yeah. shows you just how powerful your subconscious is your subconscious is in control not you you are a prisoner to the present that's what you are mm that was a bar you know but let's continue going down this programmable route because what i'm saying none of this is new you know this is the teachings of essentially evolution and you know before that gets taken into a taboo topic let's take a step back and let's just call it biology and culture you know so those are two types of evolution biological evolution is what we already know it's physical changes physical improvements that the body undergoes through de- through time and generations cultural evolution however is something that can be passed on daily because culture is something that does not need death as a vehicle to move right the culture progresses every single time 
something happens in the culture. Whereas evolution, biological evolution happens every single time somebody has offspring. Do you understand? Definitely. So naturally cultural evolution is much faster than biological evolution. And you can look at cultural evolution. Oh, I say this to say that we as a culture, we also create our programs. And so this is why, you know, um, I got kind of annoyed the other day because one of my friends was showing me, you know, he stopped me. I think I was reading like an earnings report and he stopped me to show me a video of a little boy on some guy's YouTube blog. And he said his name was something like very silly, like D1 uh, and his postcode, I think. And, you know, on one, I was kind of annoyed because like you watching him is the reason he feels compelled to, you know, take up such a name, you know. Our culture and what we give attention to as a culture is what will grow, you know. So now everybody's confused about why there's black boys uh, getting stabbed every fucking weekend in the multiples. Well, if you look at 10 years ago, what the hell were we manifesting? <laughs> you know, we the had... programs were different. It's crazy. You know, we had the youngest, like even me, I'm pretty young still. I remember growing up and just wanting to dress like a roadman, uh, you know, thinking that was the coolest stuff, speaking slang. Like, one of these memories I have with me, this is so funny, I hope the guy doesn't ever tune in, he's probably in jail. But anyway, one of the memories <laughs> I have, I remember when, for, for me, you know, the first real song that exposed me to the culture, the UK youth culture, was Crepton Corn and Don't Waste My Time. I felt like that really unified, you know, the the gang sorry to say this but like the gang culture you know the ghetto culture of the uk you know and so i remember in in one of my spanish classes i walked in and i was you know rapping rapping it and you know the only thing i can explain is that essentially the real bad boys in the class they were kind of like annoyed that i had like essentially i was like a culture vulture to them you know yeah exactly. but what i'm trying to show you is like it's it's there's magnetism that happens because of cultural evolution and we actually have the power to create our next generations a hundred percent we choose every single day what the youth want to become just by what we give energy to wow or well, that pay that goes into what they say, where attention goes, energy flows, and you told us that energy is the most valuable asset, the universal. So now we've looked at the ways, the many ways in which we are programmed, you know, as a human. Let's talk about how we can become intellectually independent. But what actually is intellectual independence, Nero? What do you think it is? Intellectual independence, in my opinion, is being able to think freely and thoughts of your own. Even to an extent, people may attribute certain people to be intellectual when they're simply regurgitating information that yes. they haven't built their own biases upon. And I think when you get to a point where you can absorb information that then is intellectual, then form your own opinion on that i think that is true independence of thought that is like a perfect example you know i was having this conversation with you know one of my muslim friends and you know i was essentially just 
asking him, I wanted him to discern between the thoughts that were organically his and thoughts that, you know, he had inherited. Inherited thoughts, there's nothing wrong with them, but it just means that you did not do the work to come to those biases yourself. Mm. And, you know, he really couldn't identify which of the ones he had just picked off someone and which he came to himself. And that just shows you that your thoughts are not distinguishable in your subconscious. Do you get what I'm saying there? The things you put into your subconscious have an equal weighing, regardless of whether it's something that you decided for yourself or simply something you accepted for yourself. And I think that's why when Nero says something like oppression is an illusion, if you think about it in that context, of course it is. Because you accepting um, oppression is the reason why you're oppressed. You don't decide to be oppressed, but you accept it. And as soon as you accept it, you decide to be oppressed. It's, it's a very interesting relationship. But to get back to intellectual independence, it's essentially the ability to reason rationally, calculate morality, and voluntarily think voluntarily. The point is to be in control of self rather than just let self be in control of you. And I think a lot of people don't know the difference. To be intellectually independent is to step out of your programs and reassess and come up with a new solution to the challenge. A lot of us, we choose to cement our programs simply by reacting the same way. And this is why, you know, again, occultic knowledge, historic knowledge will tell you your interactions with people are a test. They're a challenge because you get to choose how it affects you. You get to choose whether you are going to get angry again, react the exact same way, or whether you are going to grow. And so your subconscious gives you the choice to create these programs every single day. The problem is the compounding effect of hypnotic rhythm means that it's always going to be easier or more appealing to go with the program that you already have established and create a new one. And it's your job as a human, if you really want to be intellectually independent, it's your job to say, let me step in here and grow. Let me evolve. What do I think now? Is that my thought? Where did I get that from? Am I studying this because of my parents? Do I love her? What is love? You know, and it sounds very funny, but really and truly, that's what we are here to do. You know, we are here to think, you know, I keep talking about how the mental realm if you look at society as a whole, we've shifted from a you know a extremely physical dominated society to the mental society in which it's now uh, about how clever you are and how quick you are. IQ is a real metric, and that's crazy because you know it's a complete shift in the way we 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 converse and the way we conflict as well, you know. And so let's try to measure. Let's try to measure rationale and morality. Because hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Morality is an interesting concept. Does yes. morality truly exist? Well, well, this is what we're going to get to. Because if we understand that our expressions of things, even if it's language, these are all passed down ideas. Of course, morality and rationale are social constructs. 
morality shifts over time. And that's why, you know, at one point, the death sentence felt so calm to society. That was fine. We loved it or we accepted it. And you can't say that again today. It sounds crazy now. So is slavery. So is slavery. And what's crazy is if you look very closely, there's always been the hand of a specific class of people on, on morality. There's always been a hand, you know? And it's the same hand today that's still moving things. It's the same the, hand that gets to decide what gay marriage uh, looks like. Or what you, know what's very, like. you know what's very, very interesting? I've I've just had a thought. The individuals that control morality are the most powerful individuals in the world. Yep. It's crazy. The reason why they're the most powerful individuals in the world is because they create a system that we also come to while they don't give a toss. And exactly. so that's why the um the the analogy of the Jay-Z analogy that he was trying to give was we, you know, agree and we buy into a system that was essentially created to bind us to rules that other people could step out of it makes you wonder why did the um the british empire why did they commission the first picture of a white jesus what is it that Mm. was so appealing to them about uh, controlling and spreading a religion what was it and it was this, it was these controls that we're talking about. You know, society was able to be controlled by an idea. Why wouldn't you? While they did that, they had, you know, verses about slaves accepting slavery if they want to get into heaven. And, you know, love, don't hate. What did they do? They went to Africa. Okay, let's not... <laughs> okay. <laughs> Interestingly, though. Interestingly, though. They upon, decided to do Upon Will's notion... Upon mm-hmm. Will's notion of the why did these people depict Jesus as this, what he's referring to by those who don't know is Caesar Borgia, who was the illegitimate son of Pope Alexander the Sixth. Mm-hmm. Which, if you go type in Caesar Borgia, you will see Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's crazy. Continual. And you know this is just what are people really exposing themselves to like my mom is one of the most religious people i'll ever know so religious like right now she's in jordan i didn't even tell you this Nero. my mom's gone to jordan she's doing like 144 hours of prayer and when wow. she's praying is she gonna close her eyes and see a white jesus well yeah because that's what she's seen all her life that's what she's been conditioned to, to see and so these are things that we call control mechanisms and it's not only religion there's so many types of control mechanisms you know your friendship group control mechanism the state the government we've already expressed the institutions um almost everything is a control mechanism you know they they try to control us in every single way and that's why uh having intellectual independence is one of the biggest assets you can have right now it's crazy because you know I think a lot wow. of people that are intellectually, sorry. You know, while everybody is trying to figure out, you know, what coin to invest in or where to put money down in property or what stock to buy, or what index fund to buy, you're here giving them the gems on the real assets. Yeah, you know, it's crazy because at the end of the day, you know, what what was it that Kanye said? Even if you're in the bends, you're still a nigger and a cute. 
Yeah. <laughs> and it's crazy. And Jay Z says the same thing. Dark like, nigga, light nigga, house nigga, field exactly. nigga. <laughs> and you know what I got from that line? Like I was thinking about it the other day. I don't. I don't even think he's just talking about black people because that line itself, the first line is, is juxtaposition, white nigga. Is that even possible? Mm, no. Ah, uh, he's I just talking about the actual concept of a nigga. The concept of a nigga, you know, that trap is so crazy because we succumb to it. These, the, the state has been able to control us successfully for so long that we don't even, we are so far away from, I don't even want to say the truth. I don't know what the truth is. I don't know if there is a truth, a universal truth. I don't know what's going on in those offices, but they've been <laughs> so successfully able to control the narrative of society for so long that we essentially, let's look at this Elon Musk thing that's going on right now. Definitely. Let's talk about that because I know you love Elon Musk. So for those Elon who Musk. don't... For those who don't know, can you kind of briefly explain what happened with Elon Musk within the past two weeks on Twitter? So all that's happened is Elon Musk essentially became firstly an investor, one of the major investors at Twitter, buying, I think it was a 9% stake. Um, that's obviously a massive stake. And at that stake, you can obviously look, and because Elon is obviously a massive person with an engineering certification, all of this stuff, you can definitely expect him to have some thoughts about twitter's business progression and so what happened first was i think this was the main thing that happened that have caused things to go down this route elon essentially signed on with a promise of restoring free speech to the world and you know i'll tell you why this isn't a taboo topic but what happened was the twitter employees specifically the woke ones i say they're the woke ones because they are the ones that essentially what do you say Air quotes. Yeah, the woke ones. And I believe they're the <laughs> ones that were in charge of um, pulling down accounts. So they obviously pulled down Trump, pulled down uh, all the accounts that were pulled down. And the first thing they felt to do when you just got a new massive investor as the lack of Elon Musk is they made a public statement saying that they were very confident in their decisions and they don't care what management says, they're not reversing anything. <laughs> That shows straight away the type of company Twitter has become. It, it was no longer a an operational company. It was no longer operation. It became about a war on stances. And this is obviously the fight. A lot of people look at social media problems, but you're, you, you know I've been somebody that's literally followed this since the very beginning. Definitely. You're very well accustomed with all of this. So please this is, keep going. This is not about the left and right at all. It's so funny. This is about misinformation. And even deeper than that, it's about it's about it's about data at, at its very core. Because you know, I keep saying like in 10, 20 years time, people are gonna look at their data and say, Oh my god, how did we let these companies collect this for this long? Because data when companies speak about it obviously increasingly it's, it's we we know it's more complex and more can be done with it but if you look back into the earliest the early years of you know the internet before we had obviously knowledge of this it was really simplified we, we thought data was you know you can just give us like just information you know we copy but applied data needs a whole new definition because what you can do with data is completely crazy we saw Cambridge Analytica 
you know, my favorite story. Him favorite story. We saw them work on the Trump campaign to target specifically 4 million black men in specific areas. How can data get to a point where it can be that powerful that they can rig elections? They rigged multiple elections in Africa, by the way. If you do, if the Trump one isn't enough proof for you, they rigged multiple elections in Africa. And what company's data did they use to do this? Facebook. Mm. Now, people so willingly give their data away to all of these platforms, we have no idea who is number one buying our data and two how they're going to apply our data Something do you know do you know that harvard done a study on how much data is worth per adult guess how much it is has to be a few million no per adult in america alone they found that the data per adult was worth 45 pound per month think about that per person now you yeah, do your maths real quick <laughs> monthly monthly and that is that's uh undervaluation because what can be achieved with data today is completely nuts we can build comprehensive models on humans and we can build um um what's that word funnels we can build funnels to send humans into that previously we couldn't have and so when you look at what's happening with facebook and social media and why it seems like such a chaotic place that's because we are now enjoying the fruits of our um, labor meaning what we are witnessing on these social media platforms is stuff we've manifested in the last 10 years as i've said again what was getting the most attention on facebook and twitter negative stuff this has been a downward spiral for, for years. I've been following this. I called it negative data. I first saw this in 2019. Uh, how did I come across it? It was about the protest. I was basically writing a study on um, social media being used to organize. And that's obviously protest. And this was in the rise of the BLM uh, and all of that. Stuff. And I saw that there was way too much power in this algorithm to, I guess, make posts viral. And I saw this and I said, what is it that makes us humans click? Negative stuff. And now things are going to start to make um, a lot of sense because I know there's going to be a lot of people that tune into the school of higher thought because they just, they aren't satisfied with their explanation of reality and society. It doesn't feel like enough. And, you know, mm. this feeling is... It's cathartic when you find the right place to express it. But social media is not the right place to express it because what will happen to you is you'll be manipulated and you'll be pulled into a, a, a rabbit hole and you'll be made extreme. Just like those 4 million black men that Cambridge Analytica, what they did was they knew if they radicalized those black men, yeah, they, be, they might become woke with speech marks. But the point is, they would be so woke that they would stop believing in the system and they wouldn't vote in those key states that Trump needed to win. Were they successful? I don't know. What I do know is that they was invited to the Trump Tower on the day of his, you know, the day he won the election to celebrate. So that's your answer. Mm. You know, and I think these control mechanisms, they are becoming so much more advanced. You know, we have because we derailed from the Twitter stuff, let me just say what I was thinking. We have the media convincing you that Elon and his partners owning Twitter is worse than BlackRock, who have basically <laughs> existed for generations. 
and control every no Nero you're laughing but you didn't you know you don't understand how angry I was when I tuned into that CEO speech and I heard this uh, venture capitalist investment bank whatever they want to call themselves I heard them say that their job is to create behaviors whose behaviors are they creating oh wow why? do you know it's you know it's exactly. interesting you know it's interesting well, similarly to how earlier I said that the most powerful people in the world that are the people that control morality. I think a very, very, very powerful group of people are the individuals who dictate what content allows to be on social media. That's it's so crazy because that's what the fight is all about right now. The thing is, there's no real good side between the conservatives and the Republicans. They both want the same thing right now, and that's to use social media to their, to their advantage. That's both of them. And the way to get that is to obviously be in office and regulate it. It's so funny because, you know, there was a video. I spoke about this on my snap. There was a video, not a video, sorry. There was, you know, the big tech uh, antitrust mm, lawsuits. Mm, mm. Do you remember what yeah, they were going yeah, yeah. on? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I was tuning in, yeah, and I'm a computer scientist. So, yeah, maybe I'm, I'm just being tone deaf. But surely these people that have had multiple and multiple lawsuits on big data and tech full stop, why are they spending so many time trying to define things that aren't even relevant? And that's because they were trying to keep this whole disinformation problem under wraps as well. Because if it becomes a public problem too soon, they're not going to be able to regulate it. They're going to give the social medias basically um, a chance to fix it too. Or someone like Elon to come and buy it. Makes but sense. But now the problem is basically screaming in everyone's face. Uh, something has to be done. And the proof is in the pudding. Elon Musk just after he made his bid do you know who secretly i don't know if they did it secretly or you know just just justin justin son right not even him i'm talking about vanguard and blackrock <laughs> they oh went goodness and, they went and increased their stake in twitter wow the uh <laughs> the monopoly of the world it's almost interesting it's almost like it's elon against the uh, corporations which i know to people listening they're gonna be like what elon musk is rich he's one of them but like i think this shows a clear division between them. elon musk put down i think it was eight billion to clear world hunger what corporations doing that? BlackRock managed twelve trillion. That's more than my life. <laughs> That's the life of my country. My country is only worth five hundred billion, <laughs> and they—that means they—they they are making a choice not to fix world hunger. And even in the instance of Elon actually putting down eight billion to end world hunger, it was actually funny how that guy called him out on Twitter. And he was like, Elon could literally just start world hunger. And then he was like, all right, calm, let's do it then. I was so confused for so long why nobody had attempted it. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not, I swear. Do you know what I think? I think, I, I think. If I ever get there, I will actually clear it myself. Do you, you know what the it? thing is? Because, Will, you can't speak about how programs work and then seek to end world hunger with money. Because it's even true. if you feed, even if you feed those people, they're still going to be on the programs, like you stated at the beginning, and it's hypnotic rhythm. Yeah. So I think I think even the concept of trying to uh, end world hunger it's altruistic in its essence because there's so many different factors from economic to mental 
to them political, then to your people like BlackRock and Vanguard, I don't think they would like that very much. They wouldn't like it. You know, I was looking through my um my my Telegram chat today and I said something about why there needs to be a great balance. And the great balance is essentially poor people to rich people. But what's changing is that is becoming extremely disproportionate. The the gap is disappearing, meaning that in a few years it's gonna be extremely hard to go from one end to the other end. It's gonna be a gap in the middle. And people don't understand why that's so dangerous, you know. You know, yeah, I hate when I'm telling people something about evolution in any way and they say, but that's always happened. There is nothing normal about what's going on in our society right now. Everything is fucked up and everything is new. People talk about automation, not even just automation. What what were we just talking about just now? Uh, world hunger. World hunger. And people say it's always going to be a thing. But you need to understand the stakes are completely different now. Most of the world are poor. It's not, there's no balance. Most of the world, most, all of the world are poor, okay? All of the world are poor. And so these little things that eventually society could have functioned without before, it's not the same. Just look at America now, you know, they kicked out all the immigrants and they tied out on the immigrants and their labor markets are suffering now because who's going to take those jobs? You need to think about how things have changed. It's not the same anymore. If automation is really coming, you can't expect there to be the standard uh, job creation as there was in the past. So yes, automation has always been a part of society, but has it ever been unsustainable? Have you ever put a whole workforce out of work at once? One <laughs> innovation to destroy millions of jobs. We're going into really dangerous times and I think the whole point is we lack, we lack compassion. We that is compassion. very, very key. And I think that's that's a program as well. I think that's a program because us here at the bottom, well, you know, sorry I consider us at the bottom. If you don't have more than a meal, you're at the bottom. Ooh, you know? Say that one again. I don't think they heard you, bro. If you don't have more than a meal, you are at the bottom. You are not going to be able to escape inflation. You're not. That's exactly my thought. Inflation. <laughs> you know, and so things are, you know, let's not even go there. But when it comes back to control mechanisms, which is, is brainwashed, we're, you know, we're being brainwashed by society to be a certain way. I think now we've explained this, it starts to make sense why you have to completely take control of your reality creating vehicle, which is your mind. You need to be very mindful of the stuff you consume you need to be very selective you know a lot of people i'll give you another example you know when people hear me speak nero they're, they're always like like wow these words and to me it just makes no sense because i'm just dispersing inf well information that i've read somewhere or picked up you know it's you know not really worse. a skill you know it's worse when they say you sound like a white boy that's the worst one that's the worst one because it, it, you know, I think, you know, it's great that you said that because that's the very sentence, like speaking well is only a white man's quality and you accept that. It's almost like they use white people as a uh, benchmark of intellect, which Definitely. says a lot about their ego. And I'm not talking about the ego 
on a simplistic level, I'm talking about it the way Will broke it down, your self-confidence, your self-image, and your self-respect. He, he controls those things. And that's why, you know, I, I in my experience, anytime I, found, I find, you know, smart black men like Nero, there is also, um, there's always a, a heightened sense of pride in self. And when I say that, I don't mean like pride in yourself. I mean, pride in who you are as a person, who your community is, where you come from, all of these things. And I think it's because as soon as you realize that you've been lied to or you've consumed something that is not of you, you need to kind of flush and go back to your roots. I always tell people like the first thing you should do to secure your ego death or after you've done your ego death is you need to actually think about who you would be if you didn't live in this country because i think that just shows you no literally it shows you the parallels almost straight away and the craziest thing is that people are probably going to fail to even conceive who they would be it's impossible and you know now nero we, we there's so much we need to speak about because you know we didn't even speak about this rwanda thing have you seen what they're trying to do with rwanda with what rwanda I have not seen anything. Oh, you're going to love this. So as of now, any uh, refugees or immigrants trying to come to UK, while they are being processed, they're going to have to go to Rwanda. They're getting taken straight to Rwanda. What? You didn't hear this. Rwanda as in the African country, Rwanda. Yes. Yes. People being processed to enter the UK, they're going to be taken to Rwanda. Yep. Meaning, I don't think I'm. A, I don't think I'm a student of geography, but something is missing there. Rwanda is going to build an economy by housing, I guess, immigrants. It's so sad because if America, have you seen the way America uh, processes the immigrants and where they keep them in like the cages? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that. If that's America, a 22 trillion economy, how do you think Rwanda oh are going to deal with these? It's so scary. And, you know, I see a future in which Rwanda basically builds an entire economy of housing those rejected people. It's going to be yeah. very sad. And, and if you is. think about it like that, the reason is, you know, I bring it back to say our parents, you know, I mean, I don't know about you, but I think I'm first generation. Yeah, me first too. Generation. My mom moved here. So I'm first yeah. generation. Right? Yeah, yeah, me too. So we are like the last ones. Like, nigga, we made it. <laughs> <laughs> the last ones through to the Literally, literally. Literally, because everybody else now, like you said, is going to go through entirely. Jeez. And even even if you think about it, even where people are going to be processed, what companies do you think are going to be building those facilities and funneling the money back into their own economies? We already know. It's so sad. So (laughs) the future you need to prepare for, the number one skill. Yeah, everybody needs to get rich, 100%. Get very rich. But get a grip of your mind it has to be yours because if it's not yours it's somebody else's you know there's there's that quote no 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 we're not just gonna walk by that like you didn't just say (laughs) if you don't own it somebody else's fucking bars (laughs) that's that that was crazy if you do not own your mind it's somebody else's automatically automatically if you don't own it it's somebody else's it's not like if you don't own it you know for a couple minutes no one's gonna own it no automatically it's been assigned to somebody else that was a bar it it seems like a waste of money for companies to you know just be 
putting their brand up, just the name. People aren't even going to read the rest of the advertisement, but just for you to see a logo. You need to think about why that's such a, that, that's such a asset. They clearly see some value in being on your mind, even if it's just subconsciously. Because you see it, you may not process it, but you see it, it's stored in your mind. Why is that? Ask yourself. Really think about it. And that's because your subconscious is the part of you that actually contributes to society. Your ego is just there. Your ego is actually never there. Think about it. The present is not real. The present is always gone. And so your ego is not real. Not really. It's crazy Damn. to see that. And we get so lost in the ego and such a false idea of self that it's so easy to control us the other ways, you know. The, the government, oh, bro, us black boys, we think we're so cool. We think we're so cool for doing the dumbest shit. How did that, where did that come from? You know How? what's funny? You know what's funny? Niggas will laugh at you for driving a car with two hands on the steering wheel. <laughs> it makes no sense. <laughs> oh, man. It makes absolutely no sense. And, bro, it's like we laugh about it, but it's painful to me, bro. Because I see myself as somebody, like, I know people that have died. And I see mm. myself as somebody that if I didn't ask myself these questions that we are trying to get you guys to ask yourselves, that I easily could have been on that list. Easily. Very, very easily. It's crazy. Like, why are you here? Why are you safe? There's a reason for it. And if you haven't found it by now, in fact, let me not say that. Then, then be glad you're not finding it in a Rwandan uh, processing be, center. Be very glad you're not finding it in Rwanda. It's so sad. But well, well, I think that I think that's everything we need, bro. To finish off, though, I just wanted to say, what we're trying to get you to do by this information is not to scare you; it's to get you to realize that you are playing a game, and there are real high stakes on that game every single day you play the game it's not just one day of sin or <laughs> sorry to use the word sin it's not one day <laughs> it's the hundred days that count and every one day is as significant to a hundred days every other day if that makes sense so you need to break away from control mechanisms you need to reprogram yourself what do you like who are you what do you love Find out for yourself and like my my first step, because you know, everybody always asks the first step, you're probably gonna feel like somewhat lost after this. Listen to Napoleon Hill interview with the devil if you want a very Ooh, abrupt start. That one, that one's too heavy. That's the type of book that you can listen to every couple of months and you'll pick up on different things. That's the type of book that was so controversial that in the book the, the devil himself says that this is so controversial your people aren't even going to let me put it out you know that book was released 100 years after it was written do you know what's funny that book went through an evolutionary process in my own mind of wait oh this is how the devil gets you wait yeah. wait i'm the devil <laughs> bro it's like what you know it's so crazy because like it's so much easier to see the to point at something than to see it within. Definitely. You know when you, I know this is probably you're probably gonna edit this out anyway, but for you, you know when you think of um like religion, I, I look at it from two different perspectives. Cause from one perspective I'm like, damn, control mechanism controlling us. But at the other, I'm saying like it's a preservation of such a complex story, you know, in a form 
that's been able to you know survive all these years bro it's insane that's why i think i even wrote on my story evolutionary process on religion religion is life and everything religious is a control religion is a control system religion is just high level metaphysics religion is high level metaphysics used to control people and that's how it went in my mind yep that last sentence bro we well, need, thank, we need to take thank you for an thank you for an amazing podcast